Thank you for listening to this message from Waynesboro Free Methodist Church. Our mission is to multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. We hope this message helps you along your journey. Go ahead and get your Bibles out and turn to Isaiah chapter 9. That's in the Old Testament. For those who don't know, there's a, there's a Bible in the seat back in front of you if you didn't happen to bring one with you today. Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to be pressing on in this sermon series called uh, A Light Has Dawned, where we're walking through Isaiah chapter 9 verses 1 through 7, and it's this birth announcement from God to the universe describing everything that his coming son was going to be and do, and it's an incredible birth announcement, and I'm praying that the Lord uses this time and this medium uh, to encourage your faith and and, and build up your trust in him. So uh, let me get this underway. Uh, guys, uh, this time of year gets very sentimental for a lot of us, right? We, we tend to build up the sentiment around this. We feast, not just physically, right? I've been feasting. We feast uh, uh, emotionally on these feelings of nostalgia that come every 12 months, right, <laughs> in this season. We amp up our traditions in our homes uh, because we get these warm feelings, right? The nice, cozy, warm feelings. We, we turn up the Christmas music playlist that we spent hours curating. We make a hot cup of cocoa with the marshmallows on top, with a little cocoa sprinkled on top as well. We sit back next to a, a nice, warm fire and we do some Christmas caroling to our favorite Christmas tunes like Feliz Navidad or, or Santa Claus is coming to town. All because of these sentimental feelings of nostalgia we get when we do things like this. My, my wife and kids and I just had a slumber party in our living room after watching a Christmas movie together. Nostalgia, right? Nice and warm. We don't even care about how disproportionate some of our holiday traditions are to reality, right? We, we don't care. We don't, we don't care about how out of, out of touch they really are. We enjoy them because of their sentiment. In fact, uh, if you sing along to the songs on the radio long enough, you come across those songs that just make the most ridiculous claims, right? About, uh, about things during Christmas. But we love them, right? We love these songs because they're sentimental. Some of the worst culprits... Grandma got run over by a reindeer. Why on earth would we celebrate that? Right? <laughs> Fun to sing, but pretty out of touch with reality, right? Or what about that song, you know, I want a hippopotamus for Christmas? Like, first off, what kid in their right mind actually wants a hippopotamus? Second off, what kid in their right mind is going to think that an actual hippopotamus is going to be in their living room Christmas morning? Like, kind of out of touch with reality. And I got to tell you, one of the worst ones of them all, uh, though it's probably one of my favorite, uh, is uh, the little drummer boy. Just totally out of touch with reality. Like, just picture, picture this. A, a young boy, a little boy with a drum secured to his waistline, walking into the stable just minutes after Mary gave birth. And this little boy is thinking, what these people need is a drum solo. No, I mean, think about it. Which one of you moms, right, after experiencing some of the worst pain that you've ever felt in your life, after delivering a baby, is going to nod to that little child and say, yes, little drummer boy, drum away, fill this room with your delightful percussions. Like, how out of touch with that? And then, no, no, it gets worse, right? 
you look over and you see the ox and the lamb clapping their hooves together, keeping time with the little drummer boy. That is, it's insane. But we don't care. Right? We love it. We love it. We love the warm feelings of nostalgia we get from things like this. No matter how out of touch with reality they can be. So last week, I started off talking about the hype and the buildup and how sometimes in this season we, we portray what's called a hyper-reality, something where we have a reality, it's distorted a bit, and it pictures something above reality, a little bit out of touch. But, but there's also ways in which this season can just talk about non-realities altogether, where we, we don't care about whether or not they're true, we just celebrate them. We don't care about whether or not they're distortions of reality. They're not just distortions. They're non-realities. They're faults. There are things that we love about this season that just aren't even true. They're non-realities. Things that don't even exist. And, and yet we still love it because of the sentiment. Because of how it makes us feel. In other words, we're having to trust in lies to feel better. To find hope. And, and, and that's not God's design, right? I've never found lies to actually work in that way. Many, even though there's many things about this season in our culture that are leading us towards things that just aren't even true at all, what we're gonna find out today in God's word in his royal birth announcement is that his coming son is going to lead us into an understanding of what's really true, of true reality. That when, when we come to Jesus, when we look upon him, when we love him, when we walk with him, when we let him take the authority of our lives and we listen to him, that's when we're going to actually be enlightened. We're going to be tuned into those things that are false. We're going to be able to recognize the false realities that we've believed and then be led into the original essential reality, and that is God. So last week we read all seven verses, verses 1 through 7 in Isaiah 9, and this week we're only going to read verses 1 and 2 just to keep building up. So let me, let me start in verse 1. It says this, Nevertheless, the gloom of the distressed land will not be like that of the former times when he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will bring honor to the way of the sea, to the land east of the Jordan, and to Galilee of the nations. Verse 2, this is our main verse today. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. This is the word of the Lord. So keep in mind the context, right? We talked a lot about it in depth last week. It's important for us to understand it this week as well. In Isaiah chapter 2 verse 5, Isaiah is calling the people of Israel to come and walk in the light of the Lord. God is inviting his people to a close relationship with him, but the Israelites just reject this invitation. 
God's people are in total rebellion against God. Like they, they, they don't even care a lick about what God says or what he did. They reject his wisdom. They kill his prophets. And so God just determined to lift his gracious hand of protection off of his people and let in the evil in the world that he was keeping at bay, which then eventually will lead to the absolute destruction and decimation of the land of Israel. Something that the people living in the land of Galilee, or those regions called Zebulun and Naphtali, the Galilee of the Gentiles, they were all too familiar with the destruction that was coming. Verse one tells us that these people living in these two regions known as Galilee were perpetually living in darkness with the constant threat of invasion and and pillaging from ravaging nations and empires that were invading to conquer Israel. And that just continually perpetuated a cycle of poverty and moral compromise for this region. So this land was dark and gloomy. Galilee of the nations Now, symbolically, that was depicting the world as well, ironically enough, because Satan was plundering and pillaging a dark world. But but God spoke words of hope to us in verse 1. Words of hope to these people living in this land. He promised that there's going to be a day of redemption. He promises them a hope uh, that was going to be incarnated, a hope of redemption incarnated in the reality of his own son, this promised one who was going to honor these lands with his life and with his ministry, this land that was shrouded in deep darkness. And that's when we get to verse two, almost like a chorus or a song. We get to verse two and it says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of deep darkness. So take take note here. There's only three objects in verse two. Three objects, right? There's the people. There's the land that's described as darkness. And then there's the light. The people, the land that was dark, and the light. Guys, Walking in total darkness is really an unnerving thing, especially if you're uh, going out to hunt in the, in the wee hours of the morning and it's pitch black and you can't see a thing. It's unnerving. You're walking through those woods. You don't know what's around you. You can't see where you're going, right? You don't even have a clear understanding of, of anything, really. I mean, without light, you, you don't know if you're trying to navigate your own home or whether or not that Lego is about to pierce the bottom of your foot in agony and pain, Right? We just, we need light to see, but the land is dark. Guys, the, the same is true of the world without light. It's hard to navigate it. This world, this land is dark. You and I really have to admit something, right? We, we have to admit that something's gone terribly wrong in this world. And, 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 and we can't just ignore the events around us. We can't not look at the events around us in the world and think that this world is perfect, right? It is far from perfect. Guys, uh, the, the Christmas movie that my kids and my wife and I watched for our, our family slumber party in the living room, it was a, a new Disney movie called Noel. It, it, was, it was a funny movie, but they argued this. They literally said that the world is dark. It's scary. There, it's, there's problems with it. And it just keeps getting worse. And that's Disney. (laughs) 
As God is giving us, he's given us an explanation for why this has happened. He's given us an explanation for this in his word. And that explanation comes thousands of years ago when mankind fractured the original reality of the perfect world that God had created. We know the story in Genesis, in Genesis 3, mankind started believing in a lie or a non-reality. The lie was that we needed more than what God has given us and has made us to be and that we could find it in the world. And so they ate of the fruit of the tree. And in that very moment, Darkness infiltrated every space in creation, thrusting the narrative of history and mankind into deep darkness, forcing us to navigate life in the dark. As God is describing not just these people in this region, he's describing the current reality of the created universe in this verse. People walking in darkness. But God doesn't leave us in it, does he? He doesn't leave us there. In fact, light pierces through this darkness. He says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. The light dawns on them, right? So just when the narrative gets the darkest for the people of Israel, God promises this massive and strong light is going to pierce through. Guys, uh, uh, the night is darkest just before the dawn, isn't it? God is promising a dawn would come. And instead of this foreign army that was going to invade in the darkness just to perpetuate their despair and gloom, no, God promises to send an invasion of light. And according to Isaiah chapter 7, we know that this light is his own son, born of a virgin who's going to be called Emmanuel. Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, is this great light shining. Think about it. Fast forward in your timeline all the way up into Jesus's day, New Testament, we're in Luke chapter one in our heads, right? And, and we see John the Baptist, Jesus's cousin is born and John the Baptist's dad, Zechariah, names him John as God told him to. And Zechariah prophesied saying that John was going to go before this coming Lord to prepare his way. And, and, and Zechariah goes on in, in Luke chapter 1, verses 78 and 79 to, to start prophesying about Jesus, to talk about Jesus. And, 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 and look at what he says. He says, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. <laughs> Have you ever thought, the scripture describes Jesus as a sunrise. <laughs> Jesus is the sunrise, the dawning of light. Jesus is the light given to those sitting in darkness to show us the way. Guys, when Jesus is born and he's presented in the temple, uh, this, this old man named Simeon, uh, who had been promised by God that he was going to be able to see the promised Messiah, gets to actually hold baby Jesus. Right? How incredible that is. He gets to hold baby Jesus. And in Luke chapter two, it says that, 
this guy, Simeon, tells Jesus that he is a light for revelation to all peoples. Even Jesus himself says, concerning of himself, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is the great light shining. Jesus is the embodiment of the light of God coming into the world of the sun dawning. Guys, God is directing those in darkness to hope in his coming sun, to light up their surrounding darkness. Let me get on into verse two later on. He says, those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone or a light has dawned. Let me ask you this question. At its most basic, what is the purpose of light? Think about it. Its most fundamental function, what does light do? It reveals. Light reveals. Light takes what was once unknown and makes it known. It takes what could not be seen and makes it visible. So for example, um, my wife and I uh, have uh, a puppy, a Yorkie. Um, We've had her for several months now. Her name's Pippa. Uh, My wife purchased a uh, glittering pink fluffy jacket for our dog. I do not walk the dog in the daylight with the jacket on. Uh, I walk it at night. Um, because the darkness keeps my dog from being revealed and me from being revealed as somebody who has a dog with a pink jacket, okay? Light reveals things. Think about it. Go back to Simeon's prophecy about Jesus. Did you notice that Simeon said that Jesus was going to be a light for revelation? A light for revelation. Jesus, his coming was going to be a light that revealed what was once shrouded in darkness. So the second part of this verse says that the land his people lived in was a land of deep darkness. And then that light that dawned was shining on something, right? It says that they saw the light and it shined on something, right? What did it shine on? In our heads, we would naturally assume, well, the dark land, right? It would shine on the darkness, that which is described as darkness. But that's not what the verse says. That's not what the Hebrew says. And I don't think that this is an accident. Look at what it says. What does it shine on? It shines on them, the people dwelling in that dark land. The people living in the darkness. They're the ones who see the light and they're the ones on whom the light shines. Interesting. Why why would the people need the light to shine on them? Why not 
Why not shine the light on the dark world around them, right? Wouldn't that be more helpful? Isn't it the land around them that's dark? Why would they need the light to shine on them? Let me try to illustrate it this way. Uh, back when I was a kid, my, my mom and dad took my brothers and I on a vacation trip up to the mountains in North Carolina. And uh, we went to this cave and we went in this cave deep down into this cavern. And there's, there's this part where we get to the end of the tour uh, basically, or the end of the line, as far as we can go. And uh, he starts to talk about just how dark it can get in a cave, right? Some of you have probably experienced this. And what he did then is he, he didn't just tell us about it, he showed us it. So at the end of the line, he had a light switch that he could turn off all the lights in that cave. And he did. And it got really dark. I mean, the darkest dark that I've ever seen, or, or I guess not seen <laughs> Um, and, and, and it was intense. I mean, he gave us time for our eyes to see and, and it didn't help at all. And then he told us, it's so dark that, that if you were to put your hand up in front of your face, you wouldn't even be able to see it. So I did that and sure enough, he was right. I knew my hand was there because my brain had moved my hand there, but I couldn't even see it. I couldn't see myself. I can see my hand. I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of familiar with my hands. I can tell you I've got a callus here, a ring on this finger. I know that and what color it is. I've got a, a scar here and I've got some unsavory hair on my knuckles. But other than that, I couldn't describe to you in detail things without light. I'm, I think I'm, I know myself pretty well, but when I was given the chance to try to describe my hands, I couldn't. I couldn't see myself. I need light to see myself. Without light, I wouldn't really know who I am or, or what I'm like. So that, brothers and sisters, is why I believe that this light is shining on the people more so than just the darkness around them. Guys, what you and I most often find ourselves wanting from God is an explanation for the world around us, for the darkness in the world around us. We want him to give us an understanding of our circumstances and, and, the, and the surroundings in, in this world and, and to help us navigate it all, right? That's typically what I find most of us wanting. But, but the more important question that you, you and I probably hardly ever really ask, and one of the main reasons God gave us Jesus was to reveal to us ourselves. It was to show us, us. To show me my tendencies and my habits, to show me my loves and my thoughts, to show me my actions and how I cope, to show me who I am and who I'm not. Guys, what, what we need more than anything in this life is for Jesus to show us who we really are because we have invested so much of our lives into lies that we've believed about ourselves. Guys, there's a, there's a movement right now that cares more about things out in the world being lit up with goodness than our own souls being good. T.S. Eliot wrote a poem about that that I recently read. We spend so much time being concerned about 
the, the darkness out in the world and it being lit up, we hardly care about the darkness in us and us being transformed and, and made better and better. We need more than anything in this life for Jesus to show us who we really are because we've done so much to prove that we don't know really who we are or what we believe and what we've believed about ourselves. And, 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 and there's ways that we can fall on either side of the spectrum on this. In one sense, you can be overly overly confident in who you are, assuming too much authority over who you are and what you get to be and do. But then there's the other side of that equation where you're, you're, uh, you have no clue who you are and you're so depressed and, and you don't think you can be loved. All sorts of things, right? I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about necessarily one or the other. I'm, I'm trying to avoid both of those. I'm not talking about the, the positive affirmation that you are perfect as you are. You should be wearing purple because you are royalty. But I'm also, I want to be clear that, no, no, there's somebody who loves you very deeply, right? And we need Jesus to shine on us, to show us and to reveal us to ourselves. And this is a huge truth, especially in light of what's going on in the culture around us right now, is it not? This is huge. Think about it. So actually, I'll describe it this way. There's a, there's a, a, a new book out that came out last year uh, by a, a Christian author named Trevin Wax, and it's called uh, Rethink Yourself. Rethink Yourself. And uh, I would commend it to you wholeheartedly. And, and in it, Trevin describes the different ways people around the world go about defining their identities and their purposes and the road to happiness. And he does that by describing where people look first to do that. Uh, whether or not they look within, whether or not they look around, or whether or not they look up. I'll explain what, I'm, what that means. So, for example, in some Eastern cultures, uh, they have it built into the, their society that they first look around, meaning they develop their identity and their purposes by looking around them, maybe within their family or in their culture or in their nation. They have obligations to those. They look to their parents. So things like arranged marriages, arranged education, so on and so forth. Things that, that uh, I feel the pressure to be this because of that which is around me. Right? God is saying here that we dwell in a land of deep darkness. So, so not only is it a fallen world, not only is it a terrible way to define ourselves and who we are, it's hard for us to even see or navigate truly what the world's like because it's in the dark. So trying to define ourselves and define our purposes and identities by looking first around to the land around us, it's just not going to go well. In Trevin's book, he, he then moves on to talk about those who, f- who first look in themselves. They first look within, meaning that they look at their own desires, their own attractions and appetites. They, they, and, and that's how they define themselves. That's how they form their identities and their purposes. Guys, this is where our culture currently is, is it not? You, in other words, they're saying that you, our culture is saying that you define yourself based on your own preferences, on your own desires, and your own attractions, and that shapes your identity, and that's how you can define yourself. But, but this passage also says that, that we're in the darkness too. We need the light to shine on us. We need to be brought into the light as well. But guys, uh, Paul in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8, he says that without Christ, we were darkness, right? He says that before Christ, we were once darkness, but in Christ, we are now children of the light. So, 
So how can we really see ourselves apart from Christ? How can we really see ourselves to know what's good and what's not good? How can we know those desires and appetites within us that are wrong and debased or, or rather or not they're good? We can't if we don't have any light. Guys, there is empirical data proving the fact that we make crummy gods. So, so looking within ourselves to define ourselves won't go well for us either. It just doesn't. Trevin Wax's book ultimately offers a counterintuitive, otherworldly approach to this whole conversation. And he says, you start by first looking up. Look up to the light, the light who is the triune Godhead, Jesus, the light of the world. If, if we look to the light first, if we look up first to the light that has dawned, only then and there will we truly discover our true purposes and become our truest selves. So what we most desperately need from God is to shine his light on us, to invade the darkest places of our hearts with the light of his son and to show us who we are and to show us the world around us. That's what this promised Messiah, this this baby born of a virgin was promised to do, right? He was promised to light up the darkness, to reveal to us the reality of God, the sun shining, right? And then to reveal to us the reality of ourselves, who we are and who we're not. And then to reveal to us the reality of the world around us, what it was made for and what it can't do for us. So guys, there's, there's this one Uh, pervading truth that I'm seeing from this verse uh, about the nature and character of Jesus and the nature of his ministry and what he came to do, that God is announcing to the world that Jesus is revealing, he reveals the reality of who we are and who we need, right? He reveals to us the reality of ourselves and the reality that we're dependent on other people and other things. Ultimately, we're dependent upon God. Guys, God shows us the present reality in Jesus. He lights up. He reveals what's true and what's not in us and in the world around us. And Jesus reveals the true character of God to a world that so desperately needed it. So that's why uh, C.S. Lewis says this. Uh, something that he's most often quoted for saying. He said this, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it being the sun, but because by it I see everything else. (laughs) Including myself. Including the world around me. Guys, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep Shadows or deep darkness, on them has light shone. As God shows us who we are in Jesus. Jesus' ministry is just filled with accounts of him calling out present non-realities that we bought into and showing us what's true and what's real. As in that day, works defined your relationship with God and your goodness. But Jesus comes on the scene and he shows us the true heart of God is overflowing in abundant grace and it's overwhelmingly full of invincible love for us. That God is gentle and kind. 
And it's by faith, not by our works. Jesus shows us that that God's desire is for everyone to come into a deep relationship with him. That, That he wasn't just particularly fond of those people who could best clean up their acts and get better themselves. No, he's actually even more inclined to those who are dirtiest and most broken. As Jesus reveals to us that a a way for God to love us well is to use his light to show us our brokenness. (laughs) Friends, I believe that the greatest work Jesus wants to do in your life is in the darkest parts. Those things in our lives that we want to keep hidden, that we want to tell lies about and keep away in, in, the, in the darkness of, of concealing it. That he wants to do work in those places, in, in, the, in the lies that we believe and the, in, in, about them and the very things that Jesus wants to shine his light on and and, and transform in us. It's those areas that he wants to do the work. Guys, uh, uh, do you know how an x-ray machine works? Or like a a CAT scan machine or an MRI? Uh, They use invisible light called ultraviolet light. And it uses its light to pierce through things and to reveal perhaps what's broken and needs healing to reveal what's growing in that should not be growing. (laughs) Christ light is a lot like that. And it doesn't just expose or reveal, it also heals. And as we pursue Christ and as we invite him in, his light is going to expose things. It's going to call things out. He's going to show us things about ourselves that that we don't like. And when he does, he's doing it out of a fierce, gentle love for you. It would actually be hatred to not call out that which perpetuates brokenness in us or to ignore it. And when he does, when he shines his light on us, we have a choice, a decision to make. Do we embrace the loving light of God designed for our good or do we deflect back into the darkness? As we, we are really good at hiding away our brokenness and covering it up. We're really good at it. And, and, and even as Christians, we're, Christians are probably the, the professionals at it. But instead of redirecting back into the darkness, would you let Jesus shine his light on you? Let him invade the haunted mansion that is your own heart to shine a light on that monstrous addiction that you keep in your closet or, or that deep hatred that you have for so-and-so that's tucked away into the basement or, or the ridiculous amount of arrogance and pride that you have lurking in your attic. As Jesus is longing to lead you out of the lies you are believing and to lead you into a greater understanding of the reality of yourself and the world around you. And you know, John chapter one, verse five gives me the greatest hope in this conversation because it's where 
Scripture says, when the light shines in the darkness, the darkness cannot overcome it. In other words, no matter how dark a place in your heart it may be, darkness cannot reclaim that which Jesus is shining on. But we must let Jesus reveal to us the reality of who we are with his light. So sure, have, have some fun retreating into some of the non-realities of our culture's Christmas traditions, right? Enjoy them. Sing your heart out just about how jolly old, old Frosty the Snowman is and, and watch the Grinch movie about a weird dude living up on a mountaintop who steals, steals presents. But I also want to challenge you to take time to set aside the non-realities and invite Jesus to shine his light into your heart and into your life and to reveal to you what's true and what's not. And ask that he would shine light into the darkest places where you've been hiding things. Ask that he would shine his light into your broken marriage. Ask that he would shine his light on your neighbors who are just drowning in despair and depression. Ask that he would shine his light into this world where so many people are, are blinded by the darkness in which they live. As when Jesus came to earth as a baby boy and shone his brightest light the world has ever seen, his transformative work was a better reality to be celebrated than any non-reality that we could ever fashion with our own minds. So invite him to shine his light on you today. Not so that you can just like improve yourself and be a better person, but that you can rely more fully on salvation, on the saving and transforming power of the person and work of Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. In other words, brothers and sisters, the invitation for today is to come. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that you've given us the light. You've not let us stay in the darkness, but that we get to experience uh, the, the loving, tender light that exposes, that reveals, that shows what's true and what's not about you, about us, and about the world around us. And I pray, Lord, in your name, that you would invite more and more people into the sphere of your loving light, that, that, that people here today would be able to see the light for the first time and realize that it's not a condemning light, it's a saving light. And God, I pray for those of us who have been walking with you for years or for a few months now, and I pray, Lord, that we would experience more and more the, 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 the truth-giving light that you've given to us in the person of your son and, and in the presence of your spirit living in us now. God, we love you. Make us a people of light, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys. We hope this message helps you multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit waynesboroughfm.com.